weeks, I mean 13 to be exact, we've been talking about legacy. Um, and when Pastor first started Legacy, we had a few pictures up here. We had uh, William Seymour and we had uh, Catherine Coleman and uh, some of the old veterans that his grandparents that, that started a legacy in his life. And as time went on, you, the church, have <clears throat> brought pictures in here. And I'm seeing pictures right here that are so amazing. I'm seeing Nate and Bianca. They're starting a new legacy in their life, man. Um, you got uh, Norma and her mom and her sisters. You know, that's their new legacy. I mean, there's all these kinds of pictures. Mita and her family um, and her dad who started stuff a long time ago. I mean, there's so much stuff. There's grandparents up here. There's aunts. There's uncles. And there's you guys. And what's amazing is that it's never too late to start a new legacy. And this morning, that's what I want to talk to you guys about, about it's not too late. And for the past few weeks, Pastor has been giving us some word. So after last week's message, Pastor was talking about leaving a legacy of finances. I was so curious to find out what Pastor was going to say, how he was going to preach it, and that's called skills, all right? I mean, for someone to keep me interested about finances, I was like, finances, Jesus, the Bible, the Hebrew and the Greek, money, how is he going to do that? And he did a great job. If you did not come last week, I challenge you to download the app, Elevate Light Church app, and I, I, I encourage you and I challenge you to get the message from last week. I mean, I've heard pastors speak so many times, but this was one of my favorite messages. And then he decides to leave, and I have to come and continue what he started. That's not easy to do. It's like Moses and Joshua. I mean, can you imagine how Joshua must have felt when Moses left or when he, you know, God took him? And he had to fulfill the shoes or the sandals, if you can say, of Moses. It, it probably was very, very difficult. Amen. But Pastor Sergio, man, I, I really love Pastor Sergio. I'm not just saying that in front of you, but I say that in front of him when no one's around, because he believes in me, he believes in you, he gives us opportunities to grow, he gives me a lot of opportunities to make mistakes, a lot of opportunities, I don't know if he gives them to me, they just happen, <laughs> but, but I'm still here and I learned a lot from him. So we've been talking about legacy of finances, talking about a family legacy, a spiritual legacy, man, and we talked about a while ago about um, I'm still here with Joseph, remember, and his bones and all this stuff. So I want to continue with that legacy series that we're talking about. And um, if you guys can turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 2, Josue capítulo 2. Going a little bit of Spanish because my uncle and my aunt and my cousin are here from Sinaloa, Mexico. Show! Mi familia está aquí de Sinaloa. So I want to throw in some Spanish in there as well and whatnot. Sinaloa is a, a region, a state in Mexico, for those of you guys that don't know. Um, a lot of people are from there, a lot of good people, not just the bad, a lot of good people, all right? <laughs> um, here we go, Joshua chapter 2. Oh, it's up there too. Let me read it to you guys in English, and you can follow me along in any language that you like. It says, then Joshua, son of Nun... He was a son of somebody, but his name was Nun. He secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Time out. 
Let's go back. All right, let me just stop right there. Have you ever read something and you're like, well, well, what? And you go back and read it over and over and over and you still don't understand what's going on. I'm reading, I'm praying in my room. I'm like, God, speak to me. Give me a word. And, and I'm looking at Joshua chapter 2 and it says, so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. I was like, wait, is this a typo? God, did you make a mistake? I'm like, can you imagine these two spies going into this prostitute's house? They wait for, and I'll talk about this later, three days they're hiding, and they come back home, and they have to go talk to their wives. So how was your day? Oh, it was, it was, it was great. How was yours? No, 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 no. What'd you do? Well, we almost got killed, <laughs> but it's all good. God, God's got to, okay, what happened next? Um, well, then we stayed at someone's house. Okay, you were at someone's house, all right. Uh, what was their names? It don't matter their names. It matters is I'm safe, baby. I love you. I'm going home. <laughs> no, no, no. What was her name or what was his name? Uh, her name was Rahab. Oh, really? What did Rahab look like, you know? <laughs> it was dark. I don't remember. <laughs> I was with my boy, man. He was with me. I wasn't alone, though. Listen, it doesn't, listen, it don't matter who I stayed with. It don't matter. I'm alive, baby. Where the kids at? Where the food at, right? No, 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 no. Let's time out. No, no, no. You ain't going. You is not going. <laughs> not saying y'all like that, but some people, you is not getting past me until you tell me about this girl. Well, um, Rahab was a prostitute. Can you imagine the talk home after? I don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't say it, but I could only imagine what would have happened. But they entered a prostitute's house by the name of Rahab. And I wanna, I'm going to continue reading it right now, but I want to talk to you guys about Rahab and her life and why her name, the prostitute, means something. And I'm going to, ooh, I just can't wait to give you guys more about Rahab. But Rahab is off the hook. That's all i got to tell you. So Rahab, and stay there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Can you go to the next one? Thanks, man. But the woman had taken the two men and she hid in them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. So she lied. Now then. Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. Oh, I'm sorry. Then you skip down to verse 12. I skipped a lot. So this is verse 12. Okay. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Now, I want you guys to understand this part as well. Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. I believe there's one more. There you go. Thanks, guys. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the man has said to her, this oath, you made us swear it will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, 
you have tied the scarlet cord. I want you to remember that. Scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and your mother and your brothers and all your family into your house. I believe there's more. Yeah. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on your head, on our head, if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us um, swear. Agreed? She replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Amen. God bless his word this morning. I decided to read almost the entire chapter because I didn't want, I wanted to do service by giving you guys the exact detail of what's going on in this story. Now, we know that Joshua already took over. Moses was dead. Nobody knows where he went. God just took him. People were looking for his body. Joshua was next in line. And then Joshua tells these two spies, he says, man, go to Jericho, which is the biggest city. We have to conquer it. And I want you to spy out the land and then come back and tell us what's going on so we can see this. So the Bible says that these two spies went to Jericho. And as they were walking to Jericho, they had to hide because people were finding out who they were. By this time, everybody was hearing what was going on in Israel. How the armies of, J, of, jo, of Joseph, I mean, I'm sorry, of Joshua were destroying people. People were dying and people were being afraid because this God that people were talking about was real. Things were happening and there was a lot of action going on. Joshua was known as this big, giant guy who, you know, people were saying uh, tales and, and fairy tales about Joshua and his army and this God. So now they're hearing that this God is coming with his two spies or with his spies to the big city of Jericho. And as they get to Jericho, the Bible says that they entered the house of a prostitute. Now, we don't know what exactly happened from verse 1 and verse 2, but something must have happened for them to escape and go into somebody's house. Now, Rahab, let me give you a quick explanation of Rahab. You know, in the King James, they call her the harlot. But nowadays, we call her the prostitute. She lived in the city of Jericho. She had a home along the wall of Jericho. Now check this out. Her home was built right into the city wall. Now the wall wasn't this small wall. When you had a wall around a city, it was a big wall. I mean, people like, I mean, huge cars can go on top of this wall and just drive on it. It was so big. If you had a wall around your city, you were safe. If you had a wall around your city, it was like if you had the armies covered, nobody can come in and nobody can come out without permission. So this woman's house, this prostitute, Rahab, her home was built in that wall. And there's a lot of reasons why her home was built in that wall. It was easy access for people. For travelers that would travel along the city, if they needed some rest or they needed something or some pleasure that night, they would just look up to Rahab and she would have this sign. And I'm going to talk about this later. But she would have a sign that would show, you know, that her house was open. Unfortunately, that was her lifestyle. So people would have easy access, and she would see who would come. She would see who would go, and people were coming in and out of her house, and people around the city knew who Rahab was. They knew her lifestyle. They knew her profession. They didn't agree. Some did agree, but that was her lifestyle. She provided lodging and favor for travelers. The Bible says that she had a family in the city of Jericho. She had a father, right? She had a mother. She had brothers, and she had sisters, and she had her own family. 
So my question is, when I was reading this, was like, why? Why was she a prostitute? She had a family inside the city, so she wasn't alone. She had a home where she could rest her head at night because people would go to her house. She didn't live on the streets. She had money. My question is, why? Why would Rahab choose to be a prostitute? And we will never know. We will never know. Because of her profession, her legacy was not going to be one that folks want to remember. Her legacy was was tarnished. It was damaged. If she would die before this even happened, she would have been known as Rahab, the prostitute, and that's it. She was a great woman. She was beautiful, and that's it. She had a mama. She had a daddy. She had brothers and sisters, and, and that's it. But her legacy was about to be changed forever because it's never too late. She was living day to day, and she was just trying to make it. God used Abraham, I'm sorry, Rahab, a woman, and she already had three strikes against her before God could even use her. Number one, she was a Canaanite, and Canaanites were not Jewish people. The Canaanites were wicked people. There were people so wicked and so evil that God used Israel as his instrument to judge them. The Canaanites were idolaters. There were evil people, and she was a Canaanite woman. Number two, strike two, Rahab was a woman. Women at at this time were often treated as second-class people. They had few rights in many instances. They were treated as property. You got to work through this woman who was Rahab. And strike three, she was a prostitute. She had sold herself for money, but even in the midst of her job and her profession, God sees potential in every single one of us, no matter what our past is. No matter what her past was, no matter what her, your past is, no matter what her present was, God still saw potential in this woman, in this woman. It's not too late to change. God has a way of working through very ordinary and very unlikely people. He can save and use anyone who was available to him. Anyone that says yes to God, God can use them. No matter your past, no matter your present, or no matter what people are saying about your future, God can use you. Dios te puede usar si dices que sí. No importa el pasado, el presente, ni el futuro. It doesn't matter. God can use you. Aren't you glad that God doesn't remember your past? Aren't you glad that he gets, he gets, he starts losing his memory when he talks about your past? The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's always reminding God, hey, God, remember what he did last week? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And God's like, shut up, bro. I don't even I want to hear you right now. Shut up, shut up, shut up, right? So, so God doesn't remember your past, but he has a good memory. What? He doesn't remember your past, but Jesus has a good memory. What do you mean by that? I don't understand what you're saying. That doesn't even make sense. He remembered somebody on the cross when he was dying, and it was a thief. When Jesus was on that cross and he was dying, one of the thieves that was on his left and on his right, one of them was making fun of Jesus. Man, if you're really the son of God, get us down from here. You're not really the son of God, are you? Come on, do something. Call the angels to come rescue you. Tell God to come rescue you right now. And the other one was like, be quiet, bro. This is the son of God. And before they died, he told Jesus, man, please remember me when you come back for your people. And the Bible says that Jesus says, yep, let it be so. You are with me in heaven. Jesus remembered the guy on the cross. 
Another story is when Jesus remembered Peter. Peter was one of the most down homies you can have. The craziest guy in the disciples. The craziest one that one time took a sword and cut someone's ear off because they were trying to take Jesus away to be crucified. The same Peter that Robbie was talking about that got off the boat and walked on water. The same Jesus that was like, the same Peter that said, yo, Jesus, I got your back no matter what anybody says. And the Bible says that Jesus prophesied over him and said, listen, before the, the rooster crows three times, he will deny me. And he's like, no, it will not be so. Judas, John, the favorite, uh, Andrew, Philip, anybody else, yes, Thomas, but not Peter. The Bible says that he denied him three times. Jesus remembers. Jesus died. He felt so bad. The Bible says he was crying emphatically. He was crying like a baby. He was wailing because he felt so bad. Peter, the Bible says they put Jesus in the tomb. Jesus remembers. He was in a tomb. Mary, Mary, and Salome. I believe Salome was Puerto Rican because that name sounds Puerto Rican. Salome. So Mary, Mary, and Salome were her arroz con gandules and pasteles. They were walking to the, to, the, uh, to the tomb with Jesus. I'm Puerto Rican so I can say stuff like that, all right? Okay? Anyways, so they were walking up there, and once they got there, the Bible said they saw an angel. And they were like, yo, yo, yo. He said, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. They're like, Jesus, no, I'm not Jesus. But listen, go tell the disciples and Peter, that Jesus will be waiting for him <clears throat> when he returns. you got to understand something. Yes, Jesus doesn't remember your past, and I thank God for that, but he does remember you. He does remember what's in store for your life. He has a good memory. If you prayed years ago for God to save your children, he remembers that prayer. If you prayed a long time ago for God to restore your marriage, he remembers that prayer. If you prayed a long time ago for God to change our city, our community, or for God to change somebody in your life, he remembers. He doesn't remember your past, but he does have a good memory. And how many thank God for that this morning, that God has a good memory? Let's give it up for Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus remembers, there are those that only remember the negative. There are people in our life that only remember the negative of your life. They remember your mistakes. They remember your past failures. They remember the stuff that you didn't do right. And they always try to rub it in your face. People usually remember the negative. Like, for example, oh, yeah, I know him. Wasn't he a gangster? Didn't he used to run the streets? Oh, yeah, I know him. Oh, how about this? How about this? Uh, wasn't she on drugs? Yeah, that's right. She used to be on drugs, right? Yeah, I know who that is. Or how about this? I know them. Didn't they separate already? How many times did they separate? Hmm, right? Oh, or, or how about this? Oh, I know him. Wasn't he in jail? Right? Not once. Not twice. Not three times. Isn't he still in jail? Oh, I remember him. Or how about this? Isn't this her third marriage? Congratulations. I'm happy to be here. People remember the negative. Or I know her. Wasn't she the one that got pregnant like 15 years ago before she got married? 15 years ago? And you still remember that mistake that she made? People usually remember the negative. But aren't you glad that Jesus is not concerned about your past? He's only concerned about your future. If you don't believe me, let's go there. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Zephaniah 3.17. That's right, I said Zephaniah. 
Some of y'all like Zephaniah, back to you. No, Zephaniah is a book in the Bible. Yes, okay. But Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So it doesn't matter the negativity that's in your life or that was in your life. It don't matter what you did last night. God delights in you because he loves you, because he cares for you. Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You are called the light. Even though people only see darkness, Jesus sees light. You are the light. It don't matter how much dark stuff you have behind you. That doesn't matter. What matters is now that you are the light. Ephesians 5, 8. Good job. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. It is clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hands on you for something special. God thinks that you're special. He's put his hands on you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter how far away from God you think you are, no matter how imperfect people remind you of you being, God has chosen you to do something special for him. And if that don't get you excited for something, then I don't know what will. But I'm excited because I'm special in the eyes of God. Even if you feel like a failure, remember that Rahab rose above her situation through her trust in God. And you can do the same because it's not too late. Amen. It's not too late. Her name, Rahab, is repeated in the scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament over and over again. And when something's being repeated, it shows to me that something must be important. When my teacher's in school, and I did remember this from school, believe it or not, I did remember something from school. When my teacher would always tell me, listen, if I repeat something over and over again, that means that it's important. I don't know where I get this from. I think I saw Stevie and I went. <laughs> when I repeat something over and over again, it's important. When I read something over and over again in my textbooks, this must be important. When my teacher says, put your pencils down, I want you to listen to what I have to say, then this might be very important. In the Old Testament, Rahab was known as the harlot, the prostitute. In the New Testament, her title, unfortunately, doesn't change. It's still Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, the harlot. Her name is mentioned several times in the New Testament. And it says Rahab, the harlot. Rahab, the prostitute. And I begin to think, why? Why would God be reminding us about her past? And I look at the Bible, and I look at Hebrews 11, and I see all these people that, that were men and women of faith. I see Abraham, right? And, and God doesn't go around referring to Abraham as Abraham the liar when he speaks of faith. I see Moses. And God doesn't go around referring to Moses as Moses the murderer. When he talks about great faith, uh, uh, I, I, I see Noah. God doesn't go around referring to Noah as Noah the drunk when he refers to speaking of somebody of great faith. And I see King David. 
who made many mistakes. And God doesn't go around referring to David as David the adulterer when he speaks of a man after his own heart. But when it comes to Rahab, he says Rahab the prostitute. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31 says, by faith the prostitute Rahab. I begin to read that. And I begin to wonder why is God reminding us of this woman's past? I thought you forgot about the past. I thought you only remembered the present and the future. I wouldn't want people to remember me from my past. I could imagine Rahab in heaven like, yo, God, man, what's going on here? I'm not a prostitute no more. I've changed my life. Why is everybody still knows me or considers me Rahab the prostitute? It doesn't make no sense. So I'm going to ask myself why. Why does God keep on titling this woman throughout the scriptures as Rahab the prostitute? Rather than just saying Rahab and leaving it at that. Why does God want us to know that this woman of the Old Testament who had a bad reputation was a prostitute? I'll tell you why. Thank you for asking. I believe God wants us to know through her life that our past doesn't have to control our future. Yes, she was a prostitute. But I believe God wants us to know through her life that our past does not have to control our future. Let me say it one more again. I believe God wants us to know through her life that our past, nuestro pasado, does not control our future. Nuestro pasado no controla nuestro futuro. Our past will never control our future. Imagine, I could imagine that Rahab, and I'm asking Eddie to help me out here. Because if Eddie doesn't come up here, I will be here for another two hours. So, Eddie, if you can please help me out, brother, I appreciate that. Let's give it up for Eddie right quick. <laughs> this guy gets me going, so, so it's coming, it's coming, right? I imagine that Rahab had given up any hope of ever turning her life around. But God had other ideas for her. Can you imagine? Day to day, Rahab. Mom, dad, brothers and sisters are living over there. I have my home. Yes, I do. What I do is not popular. I'm looked down upon people. I am rejected over and over again by men, by friends. My family may have disowned me. It's just me, but I got to make my money. And I, I've heard of this God who, who has rescued the Israelites, and I've heard of all this stuff, but I don't know who he is. All I know is this. I don't really care about my legacy. I don't care about what's next in my life. All I care about is now. So if you don't like it, then don't eat it. If you don't want to be my friend, then so be it. This is my life, and this is who I am. And if she was Latina, she'll say, y que no mas. Shao. <laughs> so Rahab's life was probably over for her. But God had other ideas. He can turn shame into glory in one shining moment. In one shining moment of redemption, God can turn anything around from shame into glory. And God wants us to know this morning that if we get our stuff together, if we get our stuff together with him, God can take our, our yesterdays and make them better tomorrows. He wants us to know this morning that if we get our stuff together with him, God can take our yesterdays and make them better tomorrows. Because you want to know something? It's not too late. It's never too late with God. 
It's never too late, no matter what it is that you feel you're going through, no matter how many times you said sorry to God, no matter how many times you came up to the front and you went back and did it again and again and again. Oh, yeah, and again. It doesn't matter because it's never too late. It's never too late for God. Never too late for God. This woman was connected. She was connected. I'm not talking about the mob, but she was connected. This woman had no religious background. She did not have a godly husband. She did not have a, all she did have was a shameful past. But when she connected her purpose to God's purposes that was tied to these two spies, then all which was at work against her got turned around. And she became a new creation in God. New creation in God. I was studying this last night and my wife was next to me. <laughs> she was next to me and when I heard the word turn around, I wish I would have got this to you guys, uh, Jesse and the media team. I thought of Fred Hammond. If you guys don't know who Fred Hammond is, may God forgive you right now in the name of Jesus. But Fred Hammond was a popular gospel singer in the mid-90s or even the 80s with commission with this group. But type in Fred Hammond on YouTube. Man, Fred Hammond off the hook. And that first song that came up to my mind was, um, we're blessed in the city. Go home, go home. Type that in. Put blessed in the city by Fred Hammond. Right? Type that in. And if you're me, no, I'm playing. Right? Type that in. Blessed in the city. And there's a part in the song where he goes, we're blessed. Right? We're blessed. And he says, and he says late in the midnight hour, you're going to turn it around. I'm right, go, being young and being in summer camps. Legacy. Legacy, not Jodeci. Legacy, right? I said legacy. I said Jodeci. I remember being a young man, and we're singing that song, and we're turning our life around. We're like, turn, God's going to turn it around, and around, and around. And, man, I was, I was bumping the music, man. I told Norman, it's about to get down right now in this, in this little room right here. About to worship God real quick. But if you give your stuff to God, he has the business of turning around stuff and making people into new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's right. All things have passed away, and behold, the new things have become new. When Rahab connected her purpose to God's purpose, her whole life was changed. It was made new, right? Not only was she delivered, this is amazing, but her mama, her daddy, her mama, her granny, her brothers, her sisters, her kids, her baby daddies, everybody was changed because she changed her legacy. It's not too late. It's not too late. It is not too late to change your legacy. If you're here and you say, I don't have a legacy. I don't got a picture up there. Ain't nobody up there in my family. I don't even belong up there. But it's not too late. It's not too late. It is never too late. It is never too late. Regardless of what your past is, regardless of how bad the situation, circumstances, predicaments, problems, regardless, come on, come on. It's not too late. It is never too late. It is not too late. In the first chapter of the book of Matthew, I want you guys to understand this. It records the lineage of Jesus Christ. In verse 5, there is a mention of a name of a man named Salmon or Salmon. 
S-A-L-M-O-N, I don't know, Salmon, whatever. There's a mention of this guy's name. Salmon, through extra biblical resources, was a wealthy man. With a wealthy man and had a great family. Great family that believed in God. Did the rituals. They were there. They were connected through Joshua. They were connected. Great man. Great man of God, right? This man named Salmon married a woman named Rahab. That's right. Rahab, the prostitute, got married later. Can you imagine going to her wedding? All the negative people. I know who she used to be. And Salmon's like, Salmon. Solomon's like, Solomon's like, you ain't invited to my wedding. Guards, seize them, right? Some scholars reference Salmon, Salmon. This is interesting. This is awesome. Some scholars reference Salmon as one of the two spies that are mentioned in Joshua chapter 2. One of the two guys. So one of them was single. The other one probably got in trouble when he got home. But these two guys, they're saying that one of them was Salmon. And he walked into this house. And they're like, yo, can he help us, man? They're about to get us. We came with Joshua. We're with God. And he looked at her. He was like, oh, my God. Anyways, uh, can you help us out? And he was thinking about her. I can imagine him walking home after everything was done. They're walking back to the camp. And he's telling his homie, hey, homie, man, I think I'm in love, man. Oh, what you talking about, bro? What happened? Is everything okay? You scared? Did something hit you in the head? No, no, no. That girl, man, Rahab. And they're like, what? Dude, she don't care about you, bro. She's doing her thing. You're doing your thing. That's it. No, man, for real, I think I'm in love. Years later, years later, they married and had a family. And their son was Boaz who later became in the lineage with Ruth, and so on and so on. And then Jesus came along and became the great, 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 grandson of Rahab. Talk about legacy being changed. That your great-grandson, I mean great, 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 was the son of God who changed the world, a prostitute. God rewards faith with his salvation, even in the guiltiest sinner. This woman went from being a call girl to being converted by just believing. She went from zero to hero just like that. Truly, this was, this was, this was much more than a rehabilitation. She wasn't reformed or conformed. You know what she was? She was transformed. She was transformed. Form and has added benefit, she became part of the line of Christ. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Some theologians and Jewish scholars, especially the Jewish ones, they have debated and they have said that Rahab, that is in Joshua chapter 2, is not the same one in Matthew chapter 1. Oh, no. <laughs> How can a prostitute be? In the lineage of Jesus Christ the Messiah, that cannot be. No, no, no. No, 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 no. The past of her is so ugly that will not. No, no. No. I refuse to believe that. Rahab will not be part of Jesus. This is a different Rahab. This is Rahab, not Rahab. 
Come on, somebody. Come on. How could someone with such a past even come to Elevate Life Church? How could someone with such a past be part of the family of Christ? How could someone with such a past change their legacy? Come on. That cannot happen. That is impossible. God, please tell people the truth. That cannot happen. How can God love such a sinner? How could he use someone with such a dirty past? How could that be possible? One moment, one decision. Not only saved her family, but it changed her legacy. And this morning, I don't care who you think you are. I don't care what people think they say they know about you and who they think they are about you or whatever they think. It don't matter. It took her one decision. One decision. Change her legacy forever. Una decisión cambió su legado por vida. Forever. But I'm not done yet. I'm almost done, I promise. I'll get you guys out of here. My pastor says, before the Baptist, so I can get something to eat. I just love this so much. This is awesome. In verse 17, if you guys can go to verse 17, I don't know, it might be kind of hard, but verse 17. Okay, it says, I got it here, though. It's okay. Then the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us. Unless we enter the land, you have tied the scarlet cord. Remember, scarlet cord in the window. I'm going to finish right now. But I want you guys to get this. This is amazing. There was already this scarlet cord on Rahab's house. She had this cord that was scarlet. And scarlet means red, like crimson red. Like I mean, like blood-stained red, right? She had this cord that would lay down. And whenever men saw that cord, they knew that her house was open for business. So they're walking around the city. People are tired. They're traveling from city to city. They see Jericho, the wall, and they see this red cord just hanging down. And they're like, hey, all right, let's go. And they go up to her house, do what they have to do, and then they go home. Or they stay there, sleep, whatever the case may be. So the people, the two spies, Salmon, one of them probably, like, check this out. We want you to get that same cord. That same one that was used for this, I want you to use it for this. I want you to get that cord. And when we come into your city in a few weeks from now and we destroy the walls and we begin to kill everybody, I want you to get that same cord and I want you to let it go. So whenever we see that cord, we won't touch your family or anyone that's in your house. The red light district was a symbol of her trade. When men saw the red cord hanging, they knew that there was a harlot to be found. But the spies told her to hang the cord this time, not for men to see, but for God to see. Come on. Not for men to see, but for God to see. How powerful is that? How powerful is it that God will use someone's professional profession as ugly, as horrible as a past like hers to bring glory and honor to him? How is it that that's possible? How is it that God can use your past? 
all the horrible things that you've done, that we've done, and use the same horrible stuff that you used to do for his honor and for his glory. Amazing. When the spies told her to hang this down, God was going to see this as a confession of Rahab's sins, of saying, I will no longer do this for men. I will now live my life for Christ. In one moment, her life was changed. When we hang our sins before God, then God sends forth his mercy and his grace. Isaiah 1.18 says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Through your sins be as scarlet as they shall be, but they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be as wool. In other words, it don't matter how red your sin is. Jesus' blood covers every sin and makes you white as snow. That is why Jesus, when he sees you, he don't see your sin. He don't see your past. He sees your present, and he sees your future. How many thank God for that this morning? Come on, somebody. The stain of sin seems equally permanent, but God can remove, remove sin stains from our lives, regardless of how permanent they may seem. Regardless of how permanent they may seem. A new legacy. Want to know why it's impossible, what's possible to have a new legacy? Because it's not too late. It's not too late. With every head bowed and eye closed, when we got time to play games this morning. If you are here this morning and you're grateful for what God's done in your life, how God has forgotten your past and is focused on your future, I want you to come up here right now. If you are here and you say, yo, check this out, man, I, I have a horrible past and I need God to forgive me. I can't live past my past. I want God to do something. I want you to come up right here, right now. We're going to pray together because there is a new legacy of what God's going to do in your life. God wants to use your past in order for God to save new people. Let me tell you something. It's time for us to take that scarlet cord and hang it out right now and say, God, whatever my past was, it don't matter right now because right now it's the new thing right now. So come up to the front. God is moving in this place. Come on. God is touching people. The Holy Ghost is in the building. The Holy Spirit's here. If you are here this morning, I know there's more, and you think everything's fine, and I'm glad everything's fine, but there's somebody in this front that you know, that you love, I want you to come up and stand behind them. I want you to pray with them. And if you don't know them, I still want you to stand behind them. Come on. We're doing this together. This is a new thing. It's a new legacy. Pick somebody. Rahab, the prostitute. That's right. Because of her past, we get to remember that even though she had a horrible past, there's great things in store for us for our future. The awesome thing about your life is that God doesn't remember your past. He remembers this moment right here. So let's pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Damos gracias, Señor, en nombre de Jesús, por todo lo que has hecho, for all that you have done right now. We invite you, Holy Ghost, to begin to move in this place. Begin to break generational curses right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to pour out your love, your spirit right now over these individuals that are coming here in the front. We thank you, God, right now, Father, for new legacies. 
We thank you, God, that the old doesn't matter. What matters is now. And you use, Father, right now the past, the hurt, the pain, to bring you honor and to bring you glory right now in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for a new legacy. We thank you for new circumstances. We thank you, Father God, that there is nothing impossible for you. Damos gracias, Señor, por un legado nuevo. Damos gracias, Señor, por algo nuevo que está pasando aquí en esta iglesia, en la vida de, de tu pueblo, Señor. Gracias por algo nuevo ahorita en el nombre de Jesús de Nazaret. Rompemos cadenas. We break chains right now. Rompemos mentalidades. We break free from any thinking right now in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Father God, we thank you right now. We praise you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone over there to help me stand up with me this morning. And begin to worship God. Begin to worship God in your own language, in your own way. God is doing something here this morning. If you want to pray, pray. If you want to sing, sing. God is up to something right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise and honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Amen. Keep praying. Keep praying. God is doing something. God is doing something.